welcome back to my podcast, Filmmaking, Actually. Well, it has definitely been a minute, and I know while these are really weird times, um, currently mid-January 2021, I want to encourage people to continue to make art and tell stories and create content that moves the world in a positive direction. I think the world needs it now more than ever. In the last episode that we posted, um, it was a bit of a teaser for an upcoming project that we had. Space Dream Productions was all in one room for the first time in a while. I re-listened to that episode because I wanted to pick up from where we left off, but I realized we didn't actually say what we were doing. (laughs) Brian Redhead, Spaceship, and myself actually were together as we were about to start filming on location for our very first feature film owned entirely by Space Dream Productions. Let me back up. Back in January 2020, Brian, Spacey, and I had gotten together early for Sundance 2020 in Salt Lake City with some friends in Utah to make what was going to be our first feature film. Making a feature during Sundance is a little challenging, (laughs) to say the least, but we managed to shoot enough for a short before switching gears into full festival mode. The script was one that meant a lot to the three of us, and by mid-2020, we were trying to figure out if we could still get it made. It was a small enough project with a limited cast and limited locations, and we were thinking we could do it in a COVID-safe setup with less than 10 people on set for the most part. The budget was fairly low compared to our larger projects, so Spacey and I were talking about how we could maybe make it happen. Fast forward to September 2020 when we recorded that podcast episode, our big announcement that we never actually said, (laughs) was that we were quarantining together before heading on set to shoot our first 100% Space Dream Productions-owned feature film. Now, that was my first feature as a writer, producer, director. And while I always see these, like, don't make these five mistakes when producing your first feature, these, like, article lists, I think they're called listicles, um, and other sort of, like, buzzword grabby how-tos, the articles and videos that I've seen never really clicked with me, and I always felt a little... I don't know. I like personally walked away. Like I never felt like I really knew, okay, what's the big deal about a feature film versus a short film? What do I really need to make sure I do right? And what should I really know about a feature? Let me start here. Several years ago, I had the honor along with many other LA-based hit recorders, that is members of the online collaborative community directed by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, hitrecord.org. So We all had the opportunity to be a part of his first feature as a director, writer, producer, and actor, then titled Don John's Addiction. Um, Now it's called Don John. Anyway, the cool part about being on set as a hit recorder is that Joe would hang out with us after his insanely long day. As a director, I actually can't believe he took like an hour on some days just to hang out and talk filmmaking and storytelling and answer questions and stuff when he was literally in the middle of filming a feature that he was also starring in and producing and the writer, and he needed to sleep so he didn't look like a zombie on screen the next day. I don't know how he did it. But one of the things he said about doing the feature is that he wished he had done a short first, that he directed a short film before directing a feature. Now, at the time, I hadn't directed anything, and I had no idea why that mattered. I did then direct my very first ever like teeny tiny micro project three-day shoot short film for um, what was at the time called a collab on Hit Record, a project called Departures, uh, thanks to two other Hit Recorders I met on the set of Don John's Addiction, and one of whom I knew from Hit Record, Cinematic Audiophile and Mr. Scoops. And for the longest time, I would think back to what Joe had said about wishing he directed a short first, and I never really understood why. 
I'd worked on other feature films as well, and then later when I became a producer or director, or I was working as a producer and director for short film after short film and music videos and random commercial video projects, I would sometimes think about that comment and I was still like, I don't really see how it could be that much different. Now, while I'm going to cover how we made a feature film mid-COVID, let me start with some of the biggest differences between a short and a feature, aside from the obvious. Like, a feature film is huge. It's kind of like the difference between making a cupcake and making a hundred-layer wedding cake. There's just more. (laughs) Um, And some of you may already know this, so just bear with me if you're a seasoned veteran of feature films um, or just fast forward until you hear me talking about COVID specifically. I just wanted to share this too because, like I said, I've worked on several feature films in other departments and for me it was kind of hard to wrap my head around, like, what's the big deal? It just seems like, okay, so it's more. So to start with, yes, feature films have more parts, honestly, more places to make mistakes. There there are more scenes, so there's more places for continuity to watch. There's more places to keep track of story beats and, you know, track with the energy of your characters and where with a short film, you're usually telling a pretty basic piece of a story, though I've seen some incredibly powerful shorts with lots of layers and dynamic storytelling. Shorts are, well, short. (laughs) A feature has a story that carries through twists and turns and time. You have to hold an audience for over an hour in the end, sometimes two hours or more. Capturing that ever-changing story energy throughout a feature film as a director is a lot more challenging than when you are just capturing enough for like a 10-minute short. Um, It's a lot more pieces to hold in your head. You know, where did this character just come from? Where are they going? What's their motivation in this specific moment? How do they need to enter and exit a scene so it ties into the scenes around it? You have to match the production design and lighting to time of day and mood and action. It's just more. (laughs) And obviously you have to do all of those things with a short as well, just there's not as many to keep track of. And while I've seen and been a part of very complicated shorts with like five-digit budgets where the first digit is not a one, (laughs) and very simple shorts where it's all shot in, you know, two rooms of a friend's apartment for like five bucks because we needed to buy some cupcakes. There tends to be a little more flexibility to fix stuff in a short, like if you just need a few more hours or whatever. Usually you aren't paying a feature film-sized crew weekly rates, and if you need to add on another day or shoot another couple of hours because you missed something, you're not going to hit feature film-sized budget add-ons. Also, schedule-wise, if you run late on a short film day, it's just a day or two days or whatever. I mean, I've been hired crew on a short where we're up at sunrise and going to bed like 18 hours later. Whatever, it was a small one-day shoot. They were hiring me to work the one day and I didn't care, so I did it. If you run late on a feature film shoot, especially if that day of running late is early on your schedule, You end up moving every single other day for the rest of the shoot, depending on how you handle that one day being off. I know this episode is sort of all over. Sorry about that. Um, I didn't realize how many pieces there were when I started on this topic. I'll probably take this episode and bring out pieces of it more detailed in future episodes. But for now, I kind of wanted to just throw it all in because it does relate to how to then make a feature film safely with COVID safety in mind. So yeah, On a feature film, you're usually shooting a minimum of five-day weeks. Our feature was condensed into a super tight schedule because we wanted everyone in and out in as little time as possible to shorten the risk of COVID exposure and infection on our set, and our cast and crew agreed to this ahead of time. So for us, we had planned on one day of travel, 
One day of on-location prep, including things like we were dyeing our actress's hair, we wanted to do it all together as the actresses weren't coming from the same place and we wanted to make sure it would match. Um, we were doing final onset wardrobe footings. Again, the cast was coming in from different locations. We did walkthroughs of the locations and final tech scouts with the full cast and crew for very basic blocking and camera placement coordination, things like that. It was a pretty full day for our first day. And then we had our actual shoot scheduled for five days of filming with one day at the end for pickups or in case we needed an extra day as we were shooting the entire feature in five days. And then we had a day of travel home for everyone. Now, pros and cons of unions aside, I personally feel that even on non-union shoots, union rules such as mealtimes, turnaround requirements between days, basic set safety, etc., these really should be part of every set because they're kind of just decent things to do as a human being. Um, and if you're not familiar with union regulations, I recommend you look them up. You know, things like how soon after your call time should your first meal be? How many hours should you give your cast and crew between when you wrap the night before and when your call time is set for the next day? You need to make sure people have time to like travel home, to sleep, etc. All right. So if day two goes over by three hours, like you set your schedule and you're running a little bit behind and now you're wrapping three hours later than you expected. On a feature, if you're following the rules to allow your cast and crew fair time to travel and sleep, and let's be real, your cast and crew is going to do a better job if they're not hungry and exhausted. So even if you're just a terribly selfish person who only does things to serve yourself, feeding your crew and giving them time to sleep will make them do a better job for you. So use that if you have to, <laughs> as your motivation. But if day two goes over, now day three has to get pushed back by that many hours. So if you're shooting outside at all and requiring certain times of days or you have requirements for certain locations and what your schedule was supposed to be, that day two going over can mess up your entire shoot schedule and throw off literally the rest of your film very fast. And then if anything else goes wrong, if you have a difficult crew member, if an actor has anxiety about doing a scene, anything that takes up time and delays things at all, you can quickly land in the soup on a feature. For a short film, you know, maybe you just tack on a few hours the next day to get your exterior daylight shots, or depending on location fees and permits and all that, depending on the size and scope of your project. I mean, let's be real, most of us making short films are kind of run and gunning it, and if you need everybody to meet up the next day for a couple of hours to get a shot real quick, it's not the end of the world. But for a feature film, if you go over a few hours early in your production week, you're going to end up chasing your tail the entire rest of the project. So that was a huge lesson for me, COVID or no COVID. I understand now more why people are so careful about who they hire for their projects, even more than I was kind of aware of that before. Also, when it comes to schedule, a big thing I will add to keep in mind while working during COVID is something that we learned the hard way. Not every website and Facebook page for local restaurants has been updated for their hours. Um, even if you knew a restaurant or knew what their hours were, it literally could have changed since the last time you checked. I'm sure some of you are like, what? You didn't have your meal scheduled ahead of time? And that's a whole other topic and again, something to cover in another episode. But when you're a small shoot in a small town with like a dozen total cast and crew, you usually end up just ordering your food from a local restaurant. And I've been out on other location shoots where we do that, and it's never been an issue. The problem was, even in a small town not closed by COVID, we would pick a restaurant that we thought was good to go. We passed around the menu. My assistant got everyone's orders. We went to get the food, and the restaurant was closed. 
or their hours were different and they were closing too soon to make our order in the first place. I will also put a little plug in here if you are a restaurant owner or small business. I highly recommend updating your website information with changes as to your hours as soon as possible because people like me sometimes do depend on those (laughs) when making life decisions. You know, places we either knew were open or open at certain hours, nope. So that was a bit rough and now we know to always call and check no matter what the website says. But that's a heads up for something specifically during COVID because that's not something that I ever would have thought to run into. But that's not something I've ever experienced in years of location shoots and years of ordering food for cast and crew. So that's just something to keep in mind, especially with COVID. Honestly, it's something to keep in mind just in general. So like we figured, okay, we want to support local businesses. We're going to go with a big chain just to be safe. Can't go wrong. So we went to Panera. We figured, all right, this should be fine. Because our order was so big, you know, 12 whole meals, they had some sort of bug where the manager had to clear the order and they didn't actually even see the order. So when we went to pick it up, because like on the Panera website, you place an order, it gives you a pickup time. It's pretty straightforward. My assistant went to go get the food and when she got there, they hadn't even started on it. So that kind of sucked. And kind of like a lesson learned there is no matter what, just call, make sure your order was received, make sure the hours are right, all that stuff. And then that's also another difference between a short and a feature. If your first meal before you start to shoot for the day is late on day one, okay, that sucks. But if it's late day after day for a week-long shoot of a feature, that gets beyond rough. And I will say what probably also is something to keep in mind, while it was completely exhilarating to make it through a week-long feature film location shoot in the middle of COVID where no cast or crew got sick at all, I will probably not be doing that again (laughs) as we did it anytime soon, at least not without a much bigger production crew and less multitasking between us all so that we had people available to take care of kind of the little things, whereas maybe pre-COVID it would have been fine to have so many people multitasking. With all of the kind of extra details, it kind of is more important to have designated people. At least that was my experience. I mean, honestly, finally, for one of the last days, we literally just went and got like loaves of bread and sandwich meat and dairy-free cheese and regular cheese and veggies and individual utensils and special serving set up so that there was no cross-contact and everyone just made their own sandwiches. (laughs) And it actually was pretty popular. But it was rough overall. And what we saved cost-wise of having a private caterer, we ended up losing a lot of lost time and pushback start times and late days. I will add in there that it also is really important that the person who's responsible for the meals has that being set up ahead of time. Like you can't plan lunch at 11 o'clock and be waking up at 10 a.m. Like you have to have it planned out ahead of time. I would say at least a day in advance personally, but um, it is important whatever location you're in, whatever people you're working with to be familiar with how much lead time and what do you actually need to make sure that meals are ready to go so that whenever call time is, especially if you're providing food for people on location as far as their quote-unquote breakfast, you want to make sure that first meal is ready, people are able to eat, and they're ready to go at actual call time. Speaking of that, uh, this is something I can say also from working on features not as a producer, but just as a crew member. It's nice to feed people on shorts 
you really have to feed them well on features. <laughs> um, if you're on location, I personally find it better to provide resources for breakfast if you're not actually catering it. So like we stocked the fridges with breakfast food and some snacks, and then we provided lunch and dinner. As a note here, I mentioned it in our 48-hour film project episodes, but um, I think it's even extra important for location shoots when they are longer Ask your cast and crew if they have any allergies or dietary restrictions and see what you can do to accommodate. Um, being well-fed is also part of keeping up a healthy immune system and you want to make sure people are able to eat what you're giving them. So like we had a couple people who had a dairy allergy and honestly, it's not that hard to just grab a gallon of lactate milk while you grab a gallon of regular milk for everybody else. Um, one of our talent was vegan. So we grabbed a few vegan options while we were grocery shopping so they could have that and they could grab that for, to make their own breakfast and things like that. I will say some people have food aversions or types of food they don't like, and those should always be worked with as best as possible. But I'm going to be real, and I, I say this as someone with massive food allergies and lots of dietary restrictions, and as someone who usually ends up having to kind of figure out what I can eat and make a meal out of the pieces, so I, I do know what that's like. But if you're just a super picky eater, like you're not medically limited, but you're just picky, um, and you are on location... I would say if you plan on eating the food production is providing, you know, try and see if you can eat a version of what is provided. For example, if you don't like hamburgers, like you don't like a bun with a burger patty and veggies, maybe you ask if they could just give you some lettuce and tomato on the side with some salad dressing and then you just eat the burger patty with ketchup or whatever. You know, as a producer, I totally don't mind accommodating and I will always do the best I can to provide food everybody wants and likes and can eat. But when we're not just on a tight budget, but we're also on tight time, me and my team do prioritize medical, religious, and personal belief diets, like people who are vegetarian or vegan, as those are often less flexible than like, I don't like spaghetti, you know, <laughs> like, you should know that a, a good producer will accommodate everybody as best they can. You know, if you're on set and you would just rather not eat something, trying to be as accommodating in return to production that's trying to accommodate everybody really goes a long way. Also for us, we had a strict no alcohol rule on location because we were on such a tight turnaround and we were at high risk for illness. We didn't have time for someone to be hungover or have their immune system down and our shoot was literally one week. So, you know, hopefully our cast and crew could live without a drink for a week. Anyway, um, I know a lot of productions are fine with cast and crew grabbing drinks after the shoot. Um, and if we weren't under quarantine with an illness risk and eating everyone at top notch, we wouldn't have minded. But for this shoot, we asked that people held off drinking for a week as part of keeping everybody healthy. And not to be whatever, but if you can't go a week without a drink, you may want to talk to someone about that. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, so food is extra important on a feature and healthy food especially. Uh, we also had individually wrapped snacks like small bags of chips and fresh fruit like bananas and oranges where the peel is discarded, you know, things like that. Also, where it comes to food and COVID safety, we had rules about, you know, you can't reuse a water glass, like you can't use a glass or a cup, drink out of it, and then refill it. It had to be washed. We did also provide water bottles on set while we were shooting, but for when people were back where they were staying, um, you know, using glasses in the kitchen and such, we didn't want them being reused. And once dishes were done, they had to go directly into the dishwasher and not sit in the sink. Basically, anywhere someone had or would put their mouth was not to be reused and it was not to be left for possible cross-contamination, but was to be fully cleaned immediately. 
We also required the dishwasher instead of hand washing, just for extra cleaning power and making sure everything was fully sanitized. So it was like things like that for COVID safety on top of the standard wear a mask, sanitize your hands, wash your hands, etc. And believe it or not, while food and cleanliness is really important, so is sleep. So even though we had super late days because we started late, it meant that the next day had to start late or we had to cut out by a certain time if we needed certain daylight shots. It is really important to make sure that people have time to sleep between shoot days. On the very last day, like before going to the airport last day, there was one scene left that we needed that had to be at sunrise and two of the actors both agreed basically to wake up and film it and go back to sleep. And that was super cool of them and we made it very clear they could have said no and we would have understood But the scene was in the doorway of the house that they were staying at, and it was quiet dialogue, so it wouldn't wake anyone up. And they literally woke up at sunrise. Um, One of the characters was actually meant to have just been asleep, so he literally just went to bed in his wardrobe pajamas, (laughs) rolled out of bed, and it was actually perfect. Um, We did the scene, and then they went back to bed and then, you know, woke up to go to the airport and go home, and that was it. But that was sort of a one-off situation, and we scheduled that ahead of time and kind of went over with them when it looked like, okay, we're going to need to figure out where we put this scene on the schedule. And they both agreed to doing that. And honestly, if they had said no, it would have been my job as the producer and director and first AD. (laughs) Um, It would have been my job to figure out, okay, great. So how do I do this? How do I make this scene work within the parameters of a standard day? Another thing that's extra important for a feature film is people's paychecks. (laughs) Um, While everyone should get at least minimum wage for their work, no matter what, that shouldn't even be a conversation, paying people on feature films is extra important, at least to me, because you're most likely to sell a feature film as opposed to a short film. This is just my opinion, but getting people to work for you for free or for love or for whatever, for something that you plan to sell and make a profit on, when you couldn't have done it without them, like you should at least pay them fair wage for their time. And fair doesn't mean the same thing person to person. You know, someone who has a decade of experience and is basically a consummate professional who literally without them specifically, you could not have pulled it off no matter who you had to replace them. Maybe they have more value to the project than someone who could have been anyone. For me, this is extra important on a COVID shoot because people are not only contributing their professional and artistic talents to your project, but they are taking on personal risk by trusting you to have a COVID safe set. And they're taking their professionalism up a notch by abiding by safe set requirements and doing their job, not just well, but while quarantining and wearing masks and bathing in hand sanitizer and helping to keep everyone else safe as well. Those who go above and beyond should always be recognized in my book. Um, we had one person on our set who was an absolute superhero going above and beyond to help with things that were literally not their job, but because they did it, it meant that the production team could get a little more sleep, or in my case, have a little more time to reorganize the next day after delays. Um, they've always been incredible as far as their professionalism on set, every set we've ever had them on. And honestly, at the end of the day, Brian Spacey and I put a little extra of our own cash while we were not getting paid up front at all, the three of us, um, to give them a slight pay bump and worked out a pay bump for if and when the film sells because, you know, not only do they deserve it, but if they weren't there, I don't know that we would have been able to juggle dealing with the other problems that we were dealing with. Like the problems that they contained enabled us to solve all the other problems. And if those problems hadn't been contained, I don't know that we would have been able to deal with everything else. So fair pay in the field of arts is a weird thing because it's so hard to quantify. But 
For us, you know, we use minimum wage as the bottom line and then the person's personal rate. You know, if someone's a professional and they have a rate that they charge, we use that as kind of a more accurate bottom line. Um, and then we factor in things like, is this person brand new to their role? And does this project actually provide them with valid opportunity and actual exposure? Or are they a working professional who's paid to do this regularly? And honestly, we're the ones who are lucky if they can fit us into their schedule. My dialogue mixer is an old friend and one of the best dialogue mixers out there. Like the last time I asked him about a project, I had to wait because he was working for Skywalker Sound Freelance dialogue editing a new Star Wars video game. So like him, we pay as much as we can always. And he's always the first person I check with when we have a project with a budget. And I always feel lucky when he can accommodate us. At the same time, I was just in a production meeting last week with a VFX artist who was offering to edit a film for free if they also did the VFX work in exchange for VFX supervisor IMDb credit. Now, for them, that's not something they get credit for often, so they would gladly throw in some extra perks to ensure they could get that other role, too. And to be clear that this is not our usual VFX supervisor, it was for another project that I was brought in to work on, not with our usual Space Dream team. Um, <laughs> so the short version of all that is pay people fairly, especially when you're asking them to kind of go beyond their normal production activities to have some risk involved by coming on set in the first place, by demanding they follow strict COVID protocols, you want to make sure that you're exchanging with them. Now, to artists, you need to be sure to balance the value of the project to how much of a paycheck you want to demand. And know that you can negotiate options and recognize when an opportunity is one that you haven't gotten before and know like your value and also the value of the opportunity. And then as a producer, be sure to give what you can always, even if it is just an extra bump for gas or a gift card for coffee or something. Very few people making films like from the production side have literally zero dollars if they actually look. And if you do have zero dollars, like ask yourself why. Like what are you spending money on and what's fair when it comes down to the contributions that others are giving to get you where you are. So when putting together a feature, even if contracts are done as deferred pay, if you plan to sell the feature, you should plan to pay the people who help make the feature in the first place. To me, this is different than a short because you don't often sell shorts. I mean, obviously, if you have a budget for a short and you should work to have budgeted shorts, and if you're working with professionals, you should pay them. But oftentimes, everyone on a short benefits from having it as a virtual calling card, showcasing their work. And not through it ever, but usually a short isn't as much work as a feature. I'm going through all this now. I think maybe I should do another episode just as a producer for films in general of things to keep in mind and why. But uh, for now, as far as making films during COVID, I think it's important to recognize what it means to keep making films. I think it's important to recognize the people who are helping you keep making films. Storytelling is vital now more than ever. And as a total tangent, for the love of all in the world, please do not start a wave of COVID films about COVID. We all know COVID. We lived COVID. We're living, living COVID now. <laughs> we have to wear masks. We know. Please tell stories. There's so much more to humanity than COVID, and we can't let this one virus make us fixate on nothing else and forget every other story that there is to tell. Sorry, little soapbox moment there. Um, back to my point. It is totally possible to film safely and have people not get sick. Obviously, you need people to follow the rules and help keep others from getting sick. We provided everyone with their own clip-on hand sanitizer and alcohol spray 
Bathrooms and shared spaces had rubbing alcohol wipes and disinfectant spray certified to kill the virus. People were to wipe down the bathroom after use, and at the end of the day, the house they were staying in was to be wiped down in common areas. Windows were to be open for 30 minutes to air everything out. Shoes were to be taken off at the door. Um, we got little booties for uh, wearing your shoes inside where we were filming. Um, everyone was given a thermometer and was required to message production with a photo of their temperature before leaving their rooms in the morning to confirm that they did not have a fever. Masks were required at all times, even in the house they were staying at, unless being filmed in front of the camera. I mean, obviously, if they were alone in their room, that was fine. But if they were in a common area, everyone had to wear a mask. Both myself and my husband were safe set certified prior to the shoot, and one of our actresses, who is also a nurse, took the full CDC COVID safety class required by SAG. Um, now, these classes are free, and we do recommend everyone take them just for familiarity. The CDC one is meant for medical professionals, and to be clear, you can't just take the class and say you're a health and safety officer by SAG standards. You have to also be a healthcare worker, like a medic or a nurse or a doctor, the classes don't replace medical training. Full understanding of how all of that works requires actual medical training. Um, but it does help to be familiar with the rules and the whys and how things are done and all that stuff. For example, and none of this is medical advice, just my own understanding and sharing what I've learned so far, um, you're supposed to limit your exposure time to under 15 minutes. And every single time you encounter another person, you are increasing your risk of exposure. But to make a film... Like, especially if you're an indie production, especially if you're filming on location, it's really hard to completely and totally just bubble yourself. I mean, even just getting gas or buying food or filming on location. So like, you know, running into a restaurant to pick up food that takes less than five minutes, which is under the 15 minute exposure limit. We had to film in a coffee shop and we needed a barista and we had one of the actual coffee shop baristas as the barista as he was there while we were filming anyway and he just stayed six feet away while we were filming. There was a day I had to pick up extra items from a thrift store. So I went in the morning, I kept my time near anyone to less than 15 minutes, I was masked, I sanitized my hands right after, we washed and wiped down everything and left it in the sun to dry before bringing it to set. All of these things were needed to make the film, but they were done carefully, intentionally, and with care to exposure times and risk factor. Then to keep risk as low as possible on set, we did everything we could to keep exposure down to only vital things for the production of the film. We kept everything sanitized, kept everyone masked or wearing a face shield or both. Um, you may see in some of the behind the scenes that after a few days, I was only wearing a mask and I wasn't wearing the shield. I personally am asthmatic and it was really hard for me to breathe in a shield and a mask. My solution for that was whenever I needed to go within six feet of an unmasked actor, I had my mask on, I literally sanitized my hands, held my breath, walked up to them, touched or moved whatever I needed to, walked away, breathed, and re-sanitized my hands. Um, on the one hand, it's a lot of extra work, but on the other hand, no one got sick. So um, yeah, it really is just paying attention to all of those details, being familiar with them yourself, and making sure you have someone on set to medically supervise. I will say we had very good-hearted people tell us they cleaned when they left, um, you should still plan for professional cleaning crew to clean up your locations. Hours of professional cleaning were still needed, but it was important to us. We wanted to make sure we had fully cleaned the areas that we had been. So that's something to think with and budget for. Again, with COVID, it is even more important to make sure you are totally planned and properly scheduled. Also, <laughs> while it may seem like a good idea on paper to make a feature film with five crew and five cast with two cast doubling as additional crew, 
you know, your COVID safety officer and a makeup wardrobe assistant, don't do that. <laughs> um, it may keep your numbers down as far as potential exposure, but the whole thing runs more smoothly with the right people in place to take care of everything. Um, and the right people is actually really important because the wrong people can cause all sorts of trouble, especially with the extra restrictions with COVID safety. You know, and I know I'm going to cover this in another episode is practically a catchphrase at this point, but I really am trying to cover everything. And there's so many moving parts to making a film. I don't think you want like a five hour episode. So who you should work with actually is an episode I plan on doing next. It is a little chicken and egg, but it is even more important not to bring people to location with you who either you've never worked with before or you've not worked with in a very long time personally, or you haven't gotten new references from, or you're not familiar with them in a, you know, a full onset setting um, with all the extra moving parts of a feature film, especially if you're trying to do it with a smaller crew in less days, you want everyone there to be on the same page and moving as quickly and as safely forward as you are. Know that it is totally possible to do that if you just plan properly and then make it happen. I know it sounds so easy, right? Um, but at the end of the day, no one on our set got sick. We were able to film the last sequence we needed to wrap production in December. And I was able to say, that's a wrap on Catching the Light. And we plan to have our trailer released shortly, which we're super excited about. You can follow the film Catching the Light on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, actually. We should have some more videos there starting next month. Just give it a little <laughs> shout out now that I've spent the whole episode talking about it. I hope this episode has been helpful. I will be doing more soon. Um, I hope our previous episodes are helpful as well. We've gotten some really awesome feedback from people and it makes me really happy because there's no reason that you can't make a professional quality film as an independent filmmaker. So go make some movies safely with COVID safety in place. <laughs> All right, that's it. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Filmmaking Actually with Coralinda, Space Dream Productions podcast. Subscribe to us on any or all the podcast platforms, but we especially recommend our sponsor, Anchor. If you like what you hear, leave us five-star ratings and positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps more listeners like you discover the show. But the best thing you can do if you really like the show is tell a friend. Want to leave a comment or ask a question? Email at filmmakingactually at gmail. Com. This is Spacey speaking, and I don't always get to do a tail slate, but when I do, I make sure to forget about it until the camera cuts. <laughs> and we'll see you next time.